Okay, so uh, back at it. We are back at it. Welcome back to another edition of the Pistols Firing Podcast. I am Carson Cunningham, joined by Colby Powell. Uh, I was just at the Powell residence on Saturday night to watch the uh, interesting game, we'll call it, against Boise State on the Smurf turf. Colby, that was a lot of fun. Thanks for having me over at your place. Yeah, feels good waking up a winner on a Monday morning. I know that. Uh, never a doubt. Really just took control early and just throats uh, <laughs> and put them away. Never a doubt. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, they, uh, I walked in the door, and I think Boise had already scored. I was like, all right, this is how this night's going to go. And then they're up, and they score like 20 before we could even really get settled in with all that queso you made, which was fantastic, by the way. Uh, so that, it was kind of an interesting start to the game. And, and we're going to kind of go through it. Just give me your thoughts on the game. I'll give mine as well. And then we'll go through Marshall Scott's uh, 10 thoughts to, to make sure we hit on everything that occurred on that night because we were we were socializing while watching the game too there might be some things we missed but first let's hear from chris's university spirit your one-stop cowboy shop be sure to shop at chrisuniversityspirit.com we appreciate them sponsoring the pod and we will of course do the chris's university spirit uniform review and th- th- these uniforms always get two thumbs up from me but we'll we'll do that a little bit later as well so colby i, I gotta give you credit first off right off the top you pretty much predicted exactly how this game was going to go <laughs> just based on it's like the old, what's the old Seinfeld bit where Costanza just does the opposite of what he should do. And it, and it works out for him. You knew, or you predicted you know, that Boise state, you know, it's, Oh, she probably shouldn't win this game based on everything we've seen, but you predicted they would because you just thought Boise couldn't run the ball. They couldn't. You thought the defense would control the game. They did. And you basically just pulled a Costanza and we're de- right on the money. I got to give you credit. I mean, I said that Oklahoma State would run Spencer at least 15 times. They ran him 18. I think that kept the defense off balance. And Jalen Warren is clearly RB run. 32 carries for 218 yards, including the 75-yard rush. So even without the 75-yard rush, we're good. We're, we're 31 for whatever that would be, 31 for 140. We're still good there with Jalen Warren. He was unbelievable on Saturday night. He is clearly RB1. Uh, the, the missing receivers, I thought, were a huge, huge storyline in the game. Uh, I did pick Oklahoma State to win an ugly game that they shouldn't win. I, I tell you what, when the injury report came out, I didn't feel great because at that point you've got uh, Tay Martin, Brayton Johnson, and Jaden Bray all out, and that's a big hit, and we saw it. Oklahoma State only attempted 13 passes. Several of those were drops. If you adjust Spencer Sanders' uh, completion percentage and everything for drops, he, he really wasn't bad throwing the ball uh, Saturday night, but obviously he was asked to do it on the ground. He did it on the ground, and Carson, I mean – we, we can't say enough about Jim Knowles. There are not enough good things that we can say about Jim Knowles and the level that he has this defense playing at when Trey Sterling goes out and Boise runs the ball 35 times for 61 yards. It was unbelievable to watch Oklahoma State outrush a team by 185 yards in one single game of football. It was unbelievable. The defense just cannot laud enough praise their way. Well, I want to get to the defense. I have an amazing stat about the job Jim Knowles is doing. But I was wrong on this game. I fully admit that. And I think I even said on last week's show that I fully expect to be wrong. I just said I could not pick Boise based on what I had seen from OSU's running game and their passing game for that matter as well. I didn't know Jalen Warren was going to have the game he had clearly. And I, I just 
but I did say like, this is such a prototypical Mike Gundy game where they, they're just content to punt, just keep, keep punting the ball. And it, it usually works out for Mike Gundy. It really does. And I was wrong. And I, I did not think they would be able to run the football to the level they did. I, I was high on Jalen Warren coming in, but Colby, that, that first 75 yard touchdown run, you mentioned you and I were watching it together and we just continue to be surprised at how fast Jalen Warren is. He's, he's clearly a built like a bowling ball, but he, he broke away on a safety that had an angle on him and he was, he was untouched. And so you're right. He is RB one. There's no question about it. And so much was made about Hunter Woodard to where you and I were speculating. Is this guy, Tevin Jenkins, like is one guy really going to fix the issues on the entire offensive line? He played really well. And that 75 yard run and the touchdown run near the goal line were both right off the right side of the offensive line. He plays right guard. So clearly he had a big impact as well. I didn't, I didn't think he could have that big of an impact, but he did. So give him a lot of credit too, but give Mike Gundy credit. You know, I was very critical of him coming into this game. I was very critical of the direction of the program. I still don't know how they won this game. I don't know how they let it halftime, but give Mike Gundy credit. I think Brian Keating, we, he and I were talking about this on Crashing the Boards last night. I think he's seven and two in, in games decided by one score. And that's that's really not a fluke. As fluky as and weird as this game was, we've just seen this too often to where it's, it's more than a trend. It's just good coaches win close games. And it, it, it just reminds me so much, Colby, of those games in Austin in 2015 and 2017 Brian Keating brought this up and he's so right remember the the 2015 game Rudolph fumbles a snap for a touchdown he kind of lobs one up to the sideline interception and Mike Gunny just benches Rudolph and starts running the veer with Walsh he ran like a quarterback sweep on third and 14 and was just content to punt Texas fumbles a snap they kick a field goal and kick another one and, and somehow win the game 2017 the Ellinger interception to Ramon Richards in the end zone. I, I don't know how they won that game, but it just seems to work out for Mike based on his game management. And we all scream at him to go for it on fourth down, but you got to say, Colby, punting it away has worked out for him more than it hasn't. Yeah, to me, it's like a tennis match where you've got one guy on one side of the net and all that guy's doing is just softly hitting it back in the middle just softly hitting it back in the middle. You know what? I'm just going to keep getting it back in play. Don't make any mistakes. Don't make any mistakes. And eventually the guy on the other side gets frustrated and tries to hit a winner up the line and it goes wide and you win the point. It's Oklahoma State football right now. Oklahoma State's played three non-conference games against, let's say, non-powerhouses with Missouri State, Tulsa, and uh, Boise State. Oklahoma State has a combined margin of victory in those games of 13 points. Oklahoma State has yet to get to 30, and we don't know if or when that is coming, that Oklahoma State does get to 30 points in a game, and yet they're 3-0, and and they won a game Saturday night. They had no business winning a huge play from Jason Taylor on the field goal. Uh, yes. You don't know the angle that kick comes out. If it's going to cut back and go in, I assume it was going to. The kicker was absolute nails on his first couple. Uh, that one comes out a little lower, and Jason Taylor gets a fingertip on it. And Oklahoma State wins a game that they really probably didn't have any business winning, uh, but that's what they've been able to do. And, by the way, RIP over betters. Because 21-20 at halftime and the game <laughs> finishes 21-20, that second half was so boring, but it was a win. So, uh, I mean, a boring win, I guess, is better than an exciting loss. Yeah, you and I were, were watching the game together, and I was, I was petting your, your uh, golden retriever, and we both kind of looked up at one point like, wait, th third quarter's over? Like, we, it was kind of zoned out because it was just such a blah Nothing happened. Uh, quarter. 
but I will say OSU really took control though, Colby, in the second half. They got into Boise State territory on four straight drives. Just their offense just bogs down just because it's not very good right now. They have no throwing game to speak of. They had seven yards passing at halftime and somehow led thanks to Jalen Warren. And um, so it's just, it was a weird game. Boise dominated early. OSU really took control throughout the entire second half. Just let's talk about the offense, Colby. I mean, yes, they ran Spencer Sanders. I just thought they did it in very predictable fashion because what happened every third down, they did the quarterback draw to where Boise knew it was coming. I just, I, I didn't think the creativity was Spencer's running with the zone. I would just zone read them to death with Jalen Warren and make them guess who's getting it. I would just do that. That would be like my base play if I'm throwing it or running it. Just zone read people to death. And it just, for whatever reason, Colby, they just cannot get any semblance of an offense going. What, what did you think of uh, Casey Dunn's performance and just the offense as a whole? Yeah, I, I think that uh, if Oklahoma State were smart with Spencer Sanders, this is what they would do. They would watch the tape of what Greg Roman did with Lamar Jackson and the Ravens offense last night, and they would study it until their eyes were about to pop out of their heads because Oklahoma State can seriously win some games the way Baltimore won that game last night. You go out, you run the ball, and then as soon as you suck everybody up, you throw it. You, you throw it to your tight end coming across the field. Hollywood Brown had a good game last night. They weren't only running the ball. They were letting it rip a little bit. Did the quarterback make some mistakes? Yes, he did. But they put him in enough positions to be successful that what he does best was able to shine, and they were able to get a big win. And the run scheme that Baltimore was deploying last night was so advanced and so sophisticated that they had, I mean, they had one of the best defenders in the NFL in Chandler Jones. He didn't know which way was left. He didn't know which way was right. He was confused the entire game. He never knew who had the ball. He never knew where the block was coming from. There was nothing basic about the way Baltimore ran the ball last night with a couple of offensive linemen out. That's what Oklahoma State needs to do. They need to confuse defenses as to who has the ball as to where the blocks are coming from as to when you're passing and throwing it just it all needs to be less predictable that that's one thing for Oklahoma State I mean we've gotten to a point where at times you sit there and we can call the plays before they take place I I, I got a tweet from a guy named Landon Green who whenever I was doing Oklahoma State pre and post game shows with Donovan Woods on Cox he was one of the uh, students at Oklahoma State who ran some of the equipment and we would sit in there for the road games and we would watch the games with them and one of the things that I liked to do was call the plays as the game went along. And Oklahoma State got to the point where everything was so telegraphed that you kind of knew. It's like first and 10, all right, uh, inside zone. Inside zone, now it's second and nine, uh, let's run a stretch. And then on third and seven, it's like, well, we're going to uh, run a fade or a curl on the outside. It's just gotten so predictable and so basic that that's going to have to change or Oklahoma State's going to have to keep winning games in the 20s and as great as it is to be 3 and 0, there are some teams in this conference that I don't know that you can beat in the 20s. I agree. I mean, you can only do that so often. I mean, it's just you're, it's just not sustainable as good as OSU's defense is. But that's a great point about Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. And look, no one's going to confuse Spencer for Lamar in terms of running ability, but Spencer's pretty electric in the open field. And I, I do think that's a way, the way Baltimore uses shifts and different interesting type formations with multiple people in the backfield, something OSU's done in the past with the diamond formation, and just get creative with the cowboy backs that they love to play. I mean, I'm totally with you. And just embrace what you are, and that is you are not a good throwing team right now. So just 
load up, do that with the running game and you use enough manipulation to where you don't have to just blow people off the line like that with the way the Ravens were doing it with, with Kansas city. I, I love, I love that point that you made. I, they have to, to do that type of offense with what well, they're working with right now. My whole thing is there were consecutive plays in that game last night with Baltimore where everything looked exactly the same from a blocking scheme standpoint, but it was two different designs. The offensive, uh, the right side of the offensive line pulled on two consecutive plays and went left hard. And the first time they did it, Lamar Jackson handed it off and the play was designed to go behind the pulling guard and the pulling tackle. So they ran left. Very next play, they pulled the guard and the tackle. They sent him out left. What happens? Kansas City's line crashes down that way. The linebackers crash that way and the play is designed to go to the backside. So you make everything look exactly the same on back-to-back plays, but the running back's designed to go left the first time. Very next play, you run the same look. The defensive line crashes. The linebackers crash. Running back goes backside. He had like 18 yards out there before a safety came across and got him. It's just little stuff like that where the defense was totally confused. And I don't see enough right now from Oklahoma State where they're confusing the defense and getting guys out of position and putting guys in position to have success and beating the defense from a scheme standpoint. For years, I think Oklahoma State really dominated opponents with scheme because they were just able to uh, out out coach people, out-scheme people, make things easy for their players in space. And right now, I mean, we were talking about this on Saturday night. It looks hard to get 10 yards. I mean, we can, it, it feels good to be 3-0. and It does. But it looks hard to get 10 yards, and that's still a problem. So, um, I don't know. We'll see what happens this Saturday against Kansas State. Mike Gundy's record in conference openers. Is it 500, Carson, or is he a game below 500 now in conference openers? He's lost six of his past nine. In conference openers. It's a very strange stat. And this wasn't all like two of those were Texas. It's not like they play Texas to open the season every year in, in Big 12 play. A few were to TCU. There's a Texas Tech in there. There's a West Virginia. It has not been good for whatever reason. And, and a lot of those games were at home. I mean, I, I guess about half those games were at home, which is even more troubling. So it's, it's a weird stat. But to hit on what your scheme thing, that's just good football. And that's my biggest issue. I totally agree with you that it doesn't seem like they're setting up the defense for really much of anything. Like, and that's, that's something we've seen in the past where, you know, they would throw a quick, the quick, you know, wide receiver screen out to a receiver and on the next out of a zone read. And then the next play, they would hand, do the zone read, but hand it to the running back and have Spencer jump up and, and or the quarterback throw, act like he's throwing a pass out wide. There's, there's no, scheme as the point that you made or the terminology you use it just it doesn't seem like Casey Dunn is trying to set up the defense for something else it just kind of seems like ah well let's just let's run it off tackle here let's throw a slant here it just I'm totally with you on that point it's well made uh one more thing on Spencer's running and we'll and this is in Marshall's 10 thoughts which we'll we'll go through later in the show but nine of Sanders's 15 rushing attempts came on third down and that includes a third down sack and a third down kneel down. So, so what's that? Seven of his 15 on third down. That's just predictable football. You're not surprising Boise at that point, right? I mean, you and I were sitting there like another quarterback draw on third down. And I, I love the quarterback draw play with us, Sanders, and we've been asking for them to run him. It just, it's just, you're right. It's just too predictable. And it's, it's bad situational football where the defense just knows what's coming. Yeah, I completely agree. And, you know, 
Uh, we we talked last week. Was it Friday or Monday last week? We talked about the second and long plays that Oklahoma State ran against Tulsa. And all game, it was just run one yard, run two yards, run three yards. And they threw one pass for 21 yards, went right back to running it on second long. Second long. The predictability uh, is crazy. I'll say this. The play at the end of the first half, you know, Oklahoma State uh, scores, immediately gets the ball back, and then scores again with six seconds left in the first half. Spencer walks in uh, on a zone read keeper into the end zone. That play ended up being bigger than we could have possibly imagined with the second half uh, going completely scoreless. Now, if you go in down 20 to 17, maybe the second half plays out differently, butterfly effect and all that. But that ended up being a big play. And uh, again, as as critical, and I don't feel like we're being that critical. I think we're just pointing out the obvious. I mean, Oklahoma State didn't score in the second half, and we're fortunate to win that game on a blocked field goal on Saturday because if Boise State makes that field goal, I don't think any of us feel real confident that Oklahoma State's going to drive down the field and score after having not done it for the past 30 minutes of game time. Uh, but I do think that we need to, to make sure, and I know we gave him some love early in the show, but Jalen Warren did some serious running on Saturday night, and he deserves all the credit because I think we've been kind of waiting for the running backs to do something and one of them to, to pop out and say, hey, I'm the guy. And Saturday night, J- Jalen Warren popped out and said, I am the guy from this point forward. There are no longer any question marks about it. Uh, and I have to say, I agree. He's a player, man. And he's kind of had an interesting road. I think he was a junior college player. Then we ended up at Utah State, now at Oklahoma State. And we had heard positive things about him in camp. And we had, we had heard, you know, he's, he's going to factor into this offense. Well, now he's a huge factor because you have to give this guy a majority of the carries. I know Mike Gundy before the season said he wanted to split them up amongst the four running backs, but now with the injury to Desmond Jackson, and I didn't think LD Brown had a very good game. You gotta, you gotta ride number seven, man. And I would love to see Dominic Richardson spell him some, but there's no question about it. Jalen Warren was, was the player of the game for the offense and really, really won that game for him. What do you have over 200 yards rushing? I mean, that's just, that's big time. 32 for 218 for Jalen Warren. So shout out Jalen Warren. Shout out, uh, Hunter Woodard, who's back from injury, and the the offensive line seemed to look better, especially running the ball on Saturday night. Shout out to Godlevsky, who got, I think, did he get both penalties for blocking too well? Probably. I'm pretty sure he got both penalties for blocking too well because he <laughs> took his guy and drove them so far down the field that the refs were like, you know, I, I think that I think that he's blocking too aggressively. So we're going to back him up 15 <laughs> yards. And I'll be honest with you, there are some 15-yard penalties that will drive you crazy. An offensive lineman getting nasty and putting somebody in the dirt, yes, 15-yard penalties are still no fun, but those are the ones that you can at least live with. He was absolutely getting it on Saturday night. Well, get tougher refs. That's blocking. That's that's how yeah. football's played. Yes. They're taught, you- to, they're taught to bury their their assignment, and he buried him. 100%. Couldn't agree more. I thought those were bad. I thought the roughing the passer call on Brock Martin was bad. I thought the call that went in Oklahoma State's favor, where there was clearly a fumble that maybe would have been a scoop and score. Maybe he gets tackled if they don't blow it dead. Tough to really tell. Um, I thought that that was a bad call. I thought there were a couple of other bad calls in that game. I thought the officiating was overall very poor. Probably the biggest one was the fumble that went in Oklahoma State's favor. But the roughing the passer was a pretty big call, too. So it, uh, the, the officiating was not good. It was a Big 12 crew. Did you know that? I, for one, am shocked. <laughs> it's just so typical, right? I mean, Big 12 officiating just continues to madden. I want to talk about that Brock Martin penalty because I want to I want to shift to the defense. But first, I do think it's important, Colby, since we've talked so much about the offense. I do understand the issues they had on Saturday night with the receiving core. Casey Dunn said after the game, they have more guys on IR than they took on the team bus. They had like they were down to like six receivers. You know, Bryson Green was out. 
we know all the other guys, Jaden Bray, Tay Martin, that, that, that makes a difference. Cause I thought Sanders had three or four drops, which you mentioned in this game where he put it on the money and the receivers just hit their hands and they dropped it. And I, I will, I will grant them a big reason their passing game struggled so mightily was the receiving core. And look, Gundy's been kind of harping on that all season, but th- this is the first game. I think he has a real case because I mean, Kale Cabinets is on the field. That just tells you all you need to know about how injured they are at receiver. So I will, I will give them a pass for that. They really need Tay Martin back. We, we know what kind of difference maker he is. And certainly Jaden Bray has proven to be as well. So if they get healthy on, at the receiving core with the way their running game performed on Saturday, maybe it's not all doom and gloom for this offense in Casey Dunn. Yeah, maybe it's not. And uh, these stats are Marshall Levinson put these on Twitter from PFF College on Spencer Sanders Saturday night. His completion percentage in the game was 41.7%. He was six for 13 uh, in completion. If you adjust his completion percentage for drops and throwing the ball away, it would have been at 70%. And they grayed out big time throws versus turnover worthy throws two big-time throws, zero turnover-worthy throws. The receiver problem right now, it is a big problem. I, I didn't think it was as big of a problem against uh, Tulsa. You still had Jaden Bray out there. You still had Bryson Green out there. But both of those guys go out. Tay Martin's still out. Brayden Johnson is out. Uh, Brandon Presley, for whatever reason, is a no-show. I mean, receiver is a real problem right now. And Oklahoma State, I'm telling you, I think that uh, Tay Martin really – needs to get back out there in a hurry because Tay Martin, again, I think he's special. I said it all off season. I'll stick by it. I think Tay Martin is special and losing that guy on the edge is a big problem. Oklahoma state's leading receiver Saturday night was Rashad Owens kid from San Antonio with two catches for 34 yards. It's your leading receiver Saturday night. And I think it got to a point with drops early in the game where Oklahoma state as a staff just decided, you know what? Uh, Jalen Warren's going to carry it 32 times. Spencer Sanders going to carry it 18. That's 50 between the two of them. And if we're going to win this game, that's how we're going to do it. Uh, and by the way, shout out Kel Cabinets, man. Great catch. Unbelievable spot for a walk on to be in and to haul that catch down on the sideline to ice the game was pretty, pretty impressive. And I'll say this in Oklahoma state's defense, three non-conference games, 13 point combined margin of victory, but against Missouri state, they had a chance to get a first down and ice the game. Couldn't do it against Tulsa. Chance to get a first down and ice the game. They got it and took knees. Same thing against Boise. Chance to get a first down and ice the game. They got it and took knees. So, uh, you know, the big plays weren't all over the field, and it was tough sledding for Oklahoma State. But two weeks in a row, they've needed one first down and gotten it. So credit where credit's due. What did you think about the decision to throw it? I mean, Boise had no timeouts. The clock could have ticked with their running game. And let's face it, they had a lot of success running the football in the second half. I didn't think I would ever question Mike Gundy throwing instead of running when everyone knows they want to run the ball, but man, that was, that was pretty risky. I mean, it worked out. I mean, Kale Cabinets made an unbelievable catch. It was an unbelievable throw by Sanders as well. Uh, Casey Dunn said after the game that he called a play where Sanders had the option to hit Presley on a short crossing route or an out route. I can't remember the exact route it was, but a shorter over the middle or to the sideline route and the fade to, to Cabinets. And he, he chose he chose to throw 37, and he, he dropped it in a bucket, and uh, he made a hell of a catch. What do you think of the decision? Uh, me, personally, I loved the decision, but that's just kind of how I'm wired. I, I always believe late in a football game, if you have the ball and you can win it with your team on the field, do it. Do whatever you can to win it with your team on the field. And it's just like last night in the Baltimore game, go for it. Go for it on fourth down. Win the game. Win it right there. That's what Oklahoma State did. Air it out. 
you know, good throw, good catch, you win the game. You run it. Yes, you were running it really successfully, but I think Boise was selling out for the run in that moment, trying to back you up a little bit, get the ball back. I just, I do not want to throw my defense out there and put it at the whim of the opponent. You know, I mean, all it takes is a deep throw where you get a pass interference or all of a sudden you play a little soft and they complete a 20-yarder up the seam or something. Now they're really threatening to get in field goal range, and I just I don't like that at all. So uh, if I were ever a coach at any level, which I won't be, uh, but if I ever were, I'd be going for it on fourth down all the time. I'd be airing it out on third down late in games all the time, even second down. I think second down's the best down to throw it late in games because that's when teams are still expecting you to run and you can get them on the play action. But uh, as far as the call goes, I love the call. Be aggressive. Play to win. Well, they didn't have Patrick Mahomes on the other side of the field like Baltimore did. Yep. But, you, but you are right. Like, scared money, don't make none. Go go, go run the clock out. I, I, I agree with that. I just – I thought it was risky, but, man, it, it paid off. And uh, I made a joke at your house. As soon as he caught it, nobody knew who number 37 was. As he's – as they ruled it a catch, I tweeted – I think OSU just threw a fade to an equipment manager because <laughs> the kid does have the same kind of measurables as a as an equipment manager, and I, it was a good, it was a lighthearted joke. I wasn't trying to dog the kid. It was just my in the moment thought, and a lot of the OSU players were upset with me and tweeting at me after the game. So I, I deleted the tweet, and even even after I even before I deleted that tweet, I figured out who he was, posted his rock roster photo, and said, "Oh my God, it's a it's a walk on." Named Kale Cabanus. What a hell of a play. I gave him credit. And uh, so it just, you can't make jokes on Twitter anymore, but I do understand OSU players taking offense. He, he's not an equipment manager. He, he busts his tail. It's a hell of a story. It's a Cinderella story in a lot of ways. So I get it, but I just, I want to give it up to, to Kale Cabanus. That was, that was big time to, for him to be on the field in that moment and to turn around and see the ball coming his way. I can't imagine the adrenaline that was pumping through his veins in that moment. That, that, was, that was an unbelievable play. Then once he makes the catch, I mean, what did he have to feel like once he made the catch and he realized, okay, I'm the hero. I just won the game. And like you said, there were 10 of us watching the game and that ball, I mean, he caught it and it was clearly simultaneous possession. We're like, we won the game. And then we're all standing there and we're looking at each other and we're like, who's 37? Who's 37? Do you know who 37 <laughs> is? Nobody knew who 37 was. You've got five receivers out of the game. We don't know who 37 is. And then we looked it up and we're like, oh, he's a walk-on. He's from Norman. He's uh, Billy Tubbs' bloodline. What is he, grandson? Okay. Yeah, Billy Tubbs' grandson and uh, Cade Cabanus' brother played baseball at OSU. Phenomenal. Phenomenal. The, the Cabanuses have been good to Oklahoma State. So uh, that's a big moment. And it's really cool whenever a, a guy you've never heard of gets one of those moments. It's like, I mean, like you said, he's a walk-on. We didn't know who he was whenever he caught the pass. We had to Google it to figure it out. But, I mean, he's out there, you know, getting after it every day at practice, working as hard as he can possibly work, just in case – Everybody gets hurt, and he's ever in that exact situation. That's what he put all that work in for, was for that exact situation where he has one chance to be a hero. And what did he do? He pulled it down, and he was a hero. So shout-out, Kel Cabanis, and uh, shout-out to all the kids out there whose names that we don't know who work hard every single day in case they ever get their moment to shine. Yeah, and I, I think that's coaching, having those guys ready for the moment is coaching. They don't just let them sit over there and have their own thoughts. They, they make sure they're, they're right mentally. They're ready to get on the field and make plays. And you got to give the kid a lot of credit. That was one of the more unexpected plays from an OSU player that, that I can really remember since I've been watching OSU football. So give him credit. Uh, let's talk about the defense Colby. Um, how about this stat? And again, give Mike Gundy credit for hiring Jim Knowles. I mean, hiring the Duke defensive coordinator, 
doesn't make a lot of headlines. It certainly doesn't get fans all jacked up, but it's proven to be one of the best hires he's ever made. And Jim Knowles is one of the best defensive coordinators in the country because over Oklahoma State's last 20 games, they've given up 30 points just five times. And I, I didn't go all the way back through the last 25 years of how many times they've given up 30 points, but it's a lot. I can tell you that without looking it up. It's a lot. He has totally changed the culture on defense for Oklahoma State to where they are now the strength of the team. Mike Gundy can rely on them by punting it away. And they got after Boise, man. I, I know they gave up some points early. And Knowles is proving to me, Colby, to make really good halftime adjustments because they pitch a shutout in the second half. Boise only gained 64 yards in the second half. And he dialed up some heat late to, to sack the quarterback that was just absolutely massive. And I, as much as we focus on the offense struggling, and rightfully so because it's not what we're used to watching OSU football, maybe it's time we just talk about the defense and how great they are and how they're winning football games for Oklahoma State. They are absolutely winning football games for Oklahoma State. I just had uh, lunch with a friend of mine who's an OU fan today, and he asked me, he's like, so what's, what's going on in Stillwater where uh, they've totally flipped it around and now the offense is terrible and the defense is great? And I'm like, honestly, it's Jim Knowles. It's Jim Knowles. He is the man in Stillwater right now, and the defense is going to win more games this season for Oklahoma State, and Carson, they're doing it without one of their leaders, and they will be without one of their leaders the rest of the season. I guess Trey Sterling suffered an injury uh, middle of last week, and he will be out the rest of the year. That's a huge bummer for Oklahoma State. And guess what his backup is? It's Jason Taylor, who blocks the field goal to win the game. It's Jason Taylor. I mean, it's, it's next man up right now on Jim Knowles' defense, and they are just rattling through guys that can play. Trace Ford out for the season with another torn ACL. I mean, somebody else steps up and makes plays, and you've still got your big-time players out there making big-time plays. Col Colby Harvell-Peel had the pick on Saturday night. Malcolm Rodriguez, Malcolm Rodriguez had some really nice plays. He was in on the fumble. It's just Jim Knowles has got the defense absolutely humming, and the defense right now is close to as reliable as the offense was in those Rudolph-Washington years, and that is not a statement that I thought I would be uttering in the year 2021. No, and – it is frustrating that they finally figure out the defensive side and now they have their worst offense in the Mike Gundy era, which I'm ready to call it that. Um, so that's, that's frustrating, but man, it's a credit to him and Jim Knowles, just the, the, the job that they're doing. It's, it's really incredible. And um, a guy I really thought played well was, uh, was Jernigan. Uh, Jaden Jernigan played really well. He had six tackles, five solo. He had a sack and a tackle for loss and a quarterback hurry. He was just, all over the quarterback from Boise. I thought I thought Jaden Jernigan gave them a big lift on the defensive line. And you're right, it's next man up, Colby. Like Jason Taylor is he's just one of those guys that's always around the football. He had that fumble return touchdown against Kansas State. He returned that onside kick against Texas Tech for a touchdown. He blocks the field goal. And I don't know if you saw the, the still photo, Colby. There's a Boise State guy grabbing his belt his belt around his waist and trying to pull him down. And he's still like jumping 40 inches off the ground for that block. It was just an unbelievable play by him, but he he's got a knack for a big play. I mean, he does. He's always in the right spot at the right time. And he deserves a bunch of credit. I mean, that's just another guy. Stay ready, stay ready. And when your number is called, go out, make plays, be the hero. And Jason Taylor did it last year against Kansas state. He did it again Saturday night against Boise state. And he'll have a chance to do it this Saturday. Once again, against Kansas state. So uh, he's been great in relief of Trey Sterling. It's, you know, 
Trey Sterling will be missed. There's no doubt about it. Trey Sterling will be missed. But Colby Harvey Peel is playing at a high level. Uh, Tanner McAllister has played well to start this season. We've talked about Christian Holmes, I think, is playing very well for Oklahoma State. And, I mean, yes, Boise threw the ball for 242 on uh, Saturday night, but it didn't feel like that. There weren't any really consequential passes in the second half that you felt like Oklahoma State messed up on. And, I, I mean, just the ability to just totally – shut them down and make them one-dimensional is what what won Oklahoma State the game. Boise State could not run the ball at all. Their leading rusher had 12 carries for 28 yards. That is, I mean, that that's like what we saw from Oklahoma State the first couple of games. It was a, uh, a defensive performance that took Boise and made their offense totally lost and totally handcuffed the entire game. And uh, a bunch of guys on the defensive side of the ball were a big part of that. D-line played well, too. It's just, I mean... If you're going to give a game ball to Kel Cavanis on the offensive side, you've got to give a game ball to just almost everybody on the defensive side for the way they performed in that second half. Totally agree. They were they were sensational. Uh, let's talk about those two calls that you brought up. The fumble, we, we saw the replay. The ball was clearly out on Jalen Warren's fumble. And my first instinct was, well, Boise got robbed of a touchdown. But Brian Keating pointed this out to me last night. I think you kind of hinted at it, was they, they blew it dead. And you can see Spencer Sanders – doesn't attempt to make the tackle. He lets up and lets them run in. Now, you could argue, does he make the tackle if he if he hadn't done that? I, we'll never know. But it's not as if they were guaranteed a touchdown. Sanders could have made that play, but he, he let up because he heard the whistle. So that that's one. But how about the roughing the passer call? That That's as mad as I've seen Mike Gundy in a very long time, and rightfully so. The guy didn't even throw a pass. He literally sacked the quarterback. Did they call, like, the old Tom Brady rule, like they hit him at the high-low hit or they hit him in the knee to where that's considered a dangerous play because it definitely wasn't roughing the passer. That was one of the worst calls I've ever seen. That is clearly what they threw. That's clearly what the official thought that he saw in that moment. It was really bad, and it's it's kind of funny. We have a running joke in, in my family. Uh, my mom is a fanatic. She's not a fan, Carson. She is an Oklahoma State fanatic, so – in my lifetime, I would say that there have been maybe one or two calls that went against Oklahoma State that she would think are justified. She's just totally irrational about the officials. So, Saturday night, she took great pleasure in me, who I'm always very rational, and I'm like, yeah, that's pass interference. He's all over him. Of course that's pass interference. Just because it's your team doesn't mean it's not a penalty. She took great pleasure in me uh, acknowledging Saturday night that the refs totally botched a call that absolutely screwed Oklahoma State, and it was that <laughs> the passer man it was so bad because that was such it was third down he comes around the edge gets a great sack in a big moment and then the flag comes out and we're like what is going on here that's a clean sack that's as clean of a sack as you can get he comes around the corner hits the dude in the hip and the thigh takes him to the ground sack 15 yards it was not only that call there were a lot of calls at both levels of football this weekend college and professional that just absolutely blew my mind maybe maybe refs are just in early season form and they're not totally ready to go yet but there were some seriously bad calls this weekend in football absolutely bullets and bb's time who you got i'll, I'll start my my bullet i'll let you have uh obviously jalen warren deserves a bullet but i'm gonna go i'm gonna go jernigan again i thought he really controlled the second half with his play on the defensive line just so disruptive and with the injuries that, that you mentioned on the defensive line with with trace ford that He's really stepped up, and he he missed last year. I think Jenny Carlson wrote a really long or, uh, sorry, Jacob Unruh wrote a really long long uh, column about Jernigan and 
he was out due to COVID-19 last year. And man, he was a difference maker. So I, I got to give my bullet to, to Jernigan. I thought he really, really played well and stood out. I like that one. That's a good one. There, there could be a lot of bullets for that game Saturday night. Kale Cabanis could get one. Jason Taylor could get one for the blocked field goal. But Carson, I've got to give it to Jalen Warren, like you mentioned. We've been waiting for something to happen in Oklahoma State's run game, anything to happen. And Jalen Warren happened on Saturday night, 32 carries for 218 yards. And it's one of those things where, you know, we looked at all four running backs and we're like, okay, what are the, the carry discrepancies going to be? I mean, Saturday night, it was 32 for Jalen Warren. LD Brown was the next highest amongst the running backs. He had four carries. That's just, they told Jalen Warren, you need to be RB1. You need to be a workhorse. You need to go out and get after it for four quarters and make Boise miserable. That's exactly what he did. And it's exactly what Oklahoma State needed. So I'll go ahead and give Jalen Warren my bullet. He was great. That's very deserving. Uh, my BB, I don't really want to give it to a player, so I'll give it to Casey Dunn just for the what we mentioned about the the lack of creativity, just the lack, there's just the predictability of it all. The 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 quarterback draws on third down just were a headache at a certain point in that game, and just I just think he needs to do what we were mentioning about setting up the defense for certain things. And that, that, that's a field thing. That's what makes good offensive coordinators. And to this point, we have not seen that yet from him. And maybe maybe we'll see it next week against Kansas State. But I, I got to give a BB just for the, the overall predictability of the, of the offense. Yeah, we don't like to double up, but I really can't think of anybody else who I would give it to. I'll give it to Dunn as well. It's just until we see something more from the offense. I mean, yeah, Oklahoma State won. I only put up 21 points. The defense is winning games. You're winning right now in spite of your offense. And a lot of it just comes down to, uh, to the coaching, to the play calling, to the offensive coordinator. I mean, the buck has to stop there, doesn't it? If it doesn't stop there, where does it stop? Winning 21 to 20 does not seem super sustainable. Maybe it is, but you're about to get into conference play with teams who know you, teams who know how to scheme against you. And I just, I don't know what this looks like moving forward. Thrilled to be 3-0 and in the non-con. I don't want anybody to, to listen to our pod today and think that you and I are complaining about Oklahoma State being 3-0. and 3-0 and is great. Uh, there are still a lot of concerns offensively, and so I'll give it to Casey Dunn as well and, and hope that it gets better in conference play. It's just... Oklahoma State needs just one game, and not against Kansas. They need one game against some, anyone other than Kansas in conference play where they go out and Spencer throws for 280 and three touchdowns, and they run for 170 yards, and they put up 42 points, and they look great, and it looks clean. They just need one of those just to make everybody feel better, but I don't know if they're going to get it. So we'll see what it looks like uh, Saturday against K-State. Conference play is here, Carson. It, it's weird. Football season goes so fast, it just makes my head spin. It really does. It's the fastest season by far. And you're right. I mean, no matter how it happened, it's a great win. To go to Boise, 8 o'clock kick, that place was going psycho in the second half. To go on the road with all of the injuries that they had coming into that game, you got to give OSU, the players, the coaches, a ton of credit. It, it wasn't pretty. It wasn't a Picasso, but you won the game. And, that, and that's really all that matters. It's a big win. It, it really sustains – the, the season moving forward because you lose that game going into big 12 play that's an uphill climb so great win uh, i know we've been a little negative today but uh we're definitely very high on this defense and i, I i'm kind of high on the potential of the offense if they can get that receiving core healthy because i think tay martin as we mentioned is a difference maker so yeah, great great win I don't actually feel like we were real negative today. I feel like we were negative in the areas that, that needed to be negative. I mean, not everything was pretty Saturday night. Like we said, it was an ugly win. And ugly wins are great. It's a win. Uh, it's just um, we're talking about how sustainable 
are ugly wins, and I don't really know uh, how sustainable what Oklahoma State did Saturday night is. By the way, did you see the line for this weekend? I did. So I saw somebody tweeted out nine. I never saw nine. Actually, on my site, I never even saw seven and a half. Whenever I first looked yesterday afternoon, I saw seven. But now I already see it down to six. I've got I'm, I'm staring right now at Oklahoma State minus six, minus one ten, which uh, that feels like bait from Vegas, Carson. Vegas played heavily into my prediction last week, and Vegas might play into my prediction again this week because I acknowledge that they're smarter than I am and. They must know something I don't because I feel like Kansas State's look pretty good for three weeks. Well, and I don't even care who's favored. Neither of these teams should be favored by six or seven because Kansas State threw 13 passes last week. Oklahoma State threw 13 passes last week. This is going to be a Big Ten special. This is going to be 1971 football. It's just going to be running it into brick walls all day. This game might last two and a half hours. It's going to go so fast. So I, I'm shocked that the line not only came OSU's favor that much, just that it came that much at all. I think this is a, a, a pick them to a three-point game. Maybe I, I'd probably give OSU uh, favor by three since it's on their home field. Although, Colby, their home, their home record hasn't been very good over the last two, three years. They've been losing some home games. It's not as if – it's a hornet's nest and Boone Pickens and people just don't go there and win. That hasn't been the case. So I was yeah. shocked by that line. Yeah, and we're not too far removed from Oklahoma state playing games with over-unders in the seventies point total on this game is 46. And it feels like you'd have to hold your breath to bet the over. Oh yeah. I mean, other than turnovers or special teams, I don't, I don't see how it gets to that. I don't see how it gets to 46. But um, we'll, we'll talk more about the K-State game uh, later in the week. But uh, let's get to the Chris's University Spirit uniform review brought to you by Chris's University Spirit, your one-stop cowboy shop. Be sure to shop at chrisuniversityspirit.com. OSU's at home this weekend, so be sure to stop by Chris's. We love having them sponsor the Pox. It's a great place to be. Go, go by Chris's. Uh, what did you think of the unis? Uh, unis were good. I, I really wanted the all-whites. I think the all-whites would have been really clean. Uh, but I liked what they went with, black, white, and orange. It's classic. I liked them a lot more than I liked Boise's all-blue unis on their all-blue turf, which is absolute garbage. That's just – I hate that. It's Isn't blue, that like camouflage? Yeah, I don't know. The blue turf itself doesn't really bother me. I wouldn't want every school in the country to start changing their field to the color of their team, but it's kind of cool and unique. But when you take jerseys that are the exact same color as the field – and you dress in that jersey head to toe in that color, I, I don't think that that should be allowed. But I don't know. I mean, what, what rule do you make there? I mean, what's Well, what? to me, it's kind of like how they, how they banned OSU, that massive Jumbotron Gallagher. I remember they put up all those different goalposts on the Jumbotron to psych out the kicker. To me, it's the same thing, right? It's an optical illusion. Uh, yeah, I think so. It's an optical illusion. The pictures, I mean, the pictures from the press box and stuff that uh, Marshall Scott was tweeting out. I mean, you look down on the field, those guys are seriously blending in with the <laughs> turf. I, I am not a fan of them being allowed to do that. There, maybe, maybe there does need to be a rule implemented that your jerseys cannot match your turf head to toe. I think the black, white, orange is the best OSU uniform. Really? I love it. I just, I absolutely love it. I think it's the the perfect article for each color. I think the black helmet's their best helmet. The white jersey, probably not their best jersey. Probably orange or black would be. But the orange pants just pop with the white jersey. I just, 
They wore that in the infamous Iowa State game in 2011. We didn't think we'd ever see it again, but they won Bedlam in 2014 in them. I just, me and Kyle used to rank the uniforms, and that was his number one, and he kind of talked me into it. I probably like all black the best, probably, if I had to rank them, but this one's really close for me. I, I just love it. I, uh, I'm, I don't know why I'm wired this way, but I like it when it's the same head to toe. I like orange hat, orange shirt, orange pants. I like all blacks. I like the all whites. If I had to rank those, I'd probably go, man, I like the all whites a lot. I don't know why. It's just the all whites are such a clean look. I feel like everybody looks faster when they wear the all whites. I don't yeah. know why, but you wear, an all, you wear the all whites. Everybody gets two tenths of a second faster in their 40. And I'm giving the uni Heisman to Spencer Sanders. He was rocking the, uh, the ankle tape around the shoes, the spats, I guess they call them. I just, I love those. I, I just think he, I just think you look cooler. You look like you're in the NCAA football game with those. I thought he looked great. He, he was my uni Heisman by a long shot. That's a good one. I'll go Malcolm Rodriguez, uni Heisman. He, he was looking clean Saturday night in the, uh, the black, white, orange. And he, he just looks fast no matter what he wears. <laughs> he doesn't need to be an all white. <laughs> Man, he's so strong. I mean, he, he moves people out of the way. It's impressive. Yeah. So OSU's three and O by the skin of their teeth. They got a huge win at Boise. Give, give OSU credit, man. They, they found a way and they're going to have to find another way. Cause I think Chris Kleiman in Kansas state is going to be a tough out, even without their starting quarterback, Skylar Thompson, who's out injured. So we, we'll break it down uh, later this week. I think we'll tape on probably on Thursday. So look forward to that Colby. And uh, we'll talk to you then. Feels good to be three and O go pokes. <laughs>